Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Haley Wooden. I'm Tyler Orton. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning, Elliott Accountants, and Business Advisors. Now, like we always do, we're going to go over some of the latest business news. But before we get to that, we're going to check in with BIV reporter Patrick Blennerhassett, who's here. Good to have you with us. Thanks for having me, guys. And Patrick. you're going to, yeah, fill us in on us what, what, what are you on. working on this week, what man? You, I'm just so busy with everything. But <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> I everything, have, uh, that is a lot. I do have a fascinating story that I'm well. I like how you're tooting your own horn yeah. so so quickly, but go fascinating on. Fascinating to me, okay. I find every story fascinating. <laughs> but uh, this one's kind of interesting. So, as you guys may know, I'm sort of from Kamloops. I spent my formative years there. I went to high school and elementary school there, and then uh, traveled around and finally settled in Vancouver. Um, but Kamloops has a ski hill and it's known as Sun Peaks and mm. it's about an hour's drive northeast from Kamloops and they actually have the second largest sort of available terrain in terms of acres in the entire country. So the well, only- we do lists every year about yeah. uh, these <clears throat> ski resorts and we, we it's funny because we measure it not based on revenue but I guess like the amount of acreage available to actually ski on the slopes which yeah. is kind of interesting. <laughs> call it skiable terrain. Ah. So the only hill that has more skiable terrain than Sun Peaks is Whistler. However, if you asked 10 people where Whistler is and where Sun Peaks is, I want to say that the majority of people probably wouldn't even know about Sun Peaks. They might know the name or something so like that. So are you doing this poll in the city of Kamloops? Because that would be really embarrassing no, yeah, yeah, for yeah. Uh, <laughs> the people that uh, you grew up with. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. But so where it gets interesting is about five, six years ago, <clears throat> I remember going to Sun Peaks and and it was pretty much just, you know, it's a, it's a small little quaint little mountain with a bunch of lifts and all that stuff. And then I went back there last year for a wedding and it's a completely different place. Really? So what has happened? These are just sort of my wild putting two things together, but the macroeconomic shift in real estate has found its way all the way up to Sun Peaks. And this has created a whole bunch of really interesting ripple effects. So uh, I talked to a realtor from Sotheby's International Realty, which is like kind of the cream of the crop. Uh, They're selling like mad up there. And I think what's happening is that we're seeing a rising tides go all the way to Sun Peaks. A lot of really smart investors realize that if you want to buy a secondary or a third investment property, Doing it around a ski hill is a pretty good bet because there's probably always going to be some type of economic activity generated out there. If you buy a property, let's say, in the middle of nowhere or in the middle of a huge uh, residential area, there's a real chance that that property might depreciate in value if, say, it gets choked off by a new highway corridor or something like that. But you buy it a mountain probably pretty good bet that's why whistler is so expensive just don't get missed by the new gondola and then you should yeah yeah (laughs) just don't get it underneath the gondola that they're building so what's happened is uh you've got the investment crowd has uh picked up on sun peaks and what that has done as well as brought increased attention to the mountain now sun peaks is going to open i believe on november 18th and it has a really long uh winter schedule so 
the offshoot of all of this is that there was so much real estate activity and not enough building because Sun Peaks is kind of in the middle of nowhere. You've got to drive to Kamloops, which is about, you know, four hours from Vancouver, and then you've got to drive another hour. So they literally had a point last year where they had to truck in uh, uh, sort of trailers that they use for campsites for workers uh, to house their employees from like the restaurants and the hotels because <clears throat> there's nowhere there for them to live. Hmm. So it's very much what we are seeing in Whistler right now, like that yes. same sort of housing crunch that's... It, what does this mean for planners behind a lot of these resorts? Are, are they just not thinking far enough ahead, Patrick? I think I talked to the mayor, uh, Al Rain, and he said that they, you know, they were way behind the eight ball in this one. They had no idea. They weren't expecting this. Um when the attention started to come and, and people started coming and buying properties, uh, the real estate industry up there is so small, it wasn't able to react and sort of connect with the developers and say, look, you should build some more homes. We're selling a lot of homes. You got to build. And the problem with investors when they buy property is usually if you can afford to buy an investment property in Sun Peaks, you don't necessarily have to rent it out. Okay. So before this, you had, say, let's say you live in Kamloops, you have a property, you're doing okay. You have a secondary property in Sun Peaks, but you're not doing so well that you're not going to rent that out to workers or rent it out in the summer. Now we have investors at Sun Peaks who can let that property sit there <clears throat> year round. And there's no foreign buyer's tax. There is no uh, really high astronomical property tax rates. So it might be even more of a safe haven for properties like that. So, Have you heard any inklings of bringing about a tax or an empty homes tax like we've seen in Vancouver? Or is it premature at this point? Yeah, I, I don't think you'll see anything like that. But because the other part of it is that, you know, it, it's great for business because, you know, they're building and there's more construction and there's more people at the hill. I think they had something like... 300,000 unique ski visits or 390,000 unique ski visits last year, which is basically the the top year that they've ever had. And they've had something like 20 consecutive months of hotel bookings go up. So it's kind of like a shoot yourself in the foot thing. Like, do you try to temper growth, but then you've got a ski hill, which has 4,000 acres of skiable terrain. Is it basically just that the mountain community needs to catch up to the actual ski hill because they could build that out. And if you've ever skied Sun Peaks, you're never, ever waiting in line. Even if it's super busy, if it's a long weekend, if it's over the Christmas break, there's so much terrain up there that you just hop on a chairlift. So you just have to figure that they could have taken some lessons away from what we've already seen in Whistler and apply that ahead of time. But uh, Patrick, uh, are, are you going to be able to stick with us after the break? Uh, yeah, if my throat clears up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we're going to take a bit of a break. Uh, but Haley and I, we're going to come back and talk about a lot of the business stories that uh, is catching our attention this past week. And Patrick Blenner has it's going to stick around with us as well. We'll be back after this. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, 
and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you are serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, and if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600. That's 604-714-3600. Or you can check them out on their website at manningelliot.com. CA. We were chatting about this earlier on today, Tyler. It's a big week for economic updates here in Canada. Yeah, we got the fiscal update from Ottawa. That's coming out later this afternoon. We're recording this show on Tuesday morning. So we'll have some updates later on in the week about what came out of this. But I think we can expect some changes with regards to the Canada child benefits. Uh, Really kind of a big economic stimulus, especially for lower income households. Uh, I also expect some updates coming from the federal government with regards to those all those changes to small business taxes. Mm-hmm. I, I think overall, though, like Haley, the economy is doing probably a lot better than people thought it was going to be doing at this point. If I don't know, it, it, it's January 2017. I don't know how many people expected two rate hikes to be no. coming this year. <laughs> and the, the economy, it's slowing down a little bit, but not at a rate that is making anybody concerned about the growth. No, and I think that was to be expected too. We saw such growth in the first half of the year that I think seeing that again is not sustainable and maybe would lead to the Bank of Canada considering further hikes or something like that. But we're starting to see it cool down a little bit. Uh, Inflation numbers, that's something we've been following. Same with the Bank of Canada and the federal government, I'm sure, have been following. It's ticking up. It's still within Bank of Canada projections. It's not running away, short of its target too. So it seems like it's cooling off a little bit in the second half of this year, but still a strong economy. We're leading the G7 in terms of growth. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, you've just swallowed about 13 throat lozenges. You're good to go. You're good to go. Didn't know we cold. So. Yeah. But we always like doing wagers with you. I think infamously. Oh, no. we, it's because uh, we win. No. Yeah. We, we, we did that wager with you about the uh, U.S. presidential election. And don't remind you me. Uh, famously ate a bug live on air uh, the bug was not live but it was uh, I, well, like <laughs> you anyways know what, like, you know when you, you google my name that comes up on like the <laughs> second page somebody really? one of my family members actually said oh i was googling your name and did you eat a bug on air? That and is I was, amazing. I totally denied it. Because well, like, we no. had, we're part of Glacier Media and we actually had some sister papers pick it yeah, up too. Yeah, it got picked up by like a couple <laughs> other, it, yeah. I've never had other stories picked up by those newspapers. So I mean, Patrick, is it depressing <laughs> though that you're an author, you're a reporter, and this is how you're making a name? Like this is how bugs. I will be remembered. I ate a bug on okay. live radio. So. Okay. But anyway, the wager I wanted to place with you this time is what do you think the chances are of a upcoming uh, rate hike on Wednesday from the Bank of Canada? I don't know. I'm, I have learned my lesson. I'm not going to speculate, but I think the interesting thing that I've noticed sort of reading papers over the last couple of days is, is millennials are really worried about a, a potential rate hike and millennials are very over leveraged right now. And especially a lot of them that got into the housing market uh, most recently, um, and that's the thing that kind of scares me because you look at sort of the future of Canada's growth, it's got to be the millennials. And if the millennials are the ones that are scared about the rate hike, you know, I remember growing up, it was always my parents were the ones who were talking about interest rates. And now we've got the youth of the nation kind of a lot more worried about this. 
Uh, I mean, that's, like, that's not to get all negative and downtrodden, but I think that's something that sort of uh, I'm paying the most attention to is is the millennials of Canada. So when you were growing up, interest rates, oh, they're, they're yeah, like, what, like 13, 14 percent. Like, yeah, the, they were always dropping. Basically. Yeah. But now they're practically nothing. It's what? Yeah. Uh, uh, 0.5% at this point. Yeah. So it's, you know, or no, I'm sorry, uh, 0.75%. I'm, uh, anybody want to correct me on that? I'm, uh, no. 0.75. Yeah. 0.75. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, but yeah, so it's, it's practically zero essentially is what yeah. we're getting at. So it is kind of the, this big shift in how we're approaching finances, especially when it comes to getting in on the real estate industry, especially. In a place like Vancouver, which mm. I don't know, it's really changed the conversation that I think a lot of young people are having nowadays. I yeah. think so. It's tough too. I mean, when we're talking about the Bank of Canada, we're looking at it from a national perspective. So what some people are facing in Vancouver or Toronto are going to be very different from what millennials or people from all generations are facing in the rest of the country. I, I think it's worth noting too, there is sort of a generation that's matured in this period of historically low rates and you don't want to become complacent. It's not normal, right? But it's mm -hmm. easy to have seen for the past seven years or so getting used to these low rates and thinking that's normal. Bank of Canada has made it clear that it wants to move away from that. I think there's a lot of millennials who have grown up knowing nothing but uh, the economic recession and its windfall. And I remember a time before the economic recession when things were a lot rosier, uh, work was easy to come by, um, you were never stretched for rent. I remember paying $400 a month for a one-bedroom basement suite with a, you know, in a huge place in Victoria. And it was the year 1972? <clears throat> it was, yeah. <laughs> I was actually about two, I want to say that was like 2005 or wow. 2006. I'll wow. confidently say that anyone paying $400 for rent to Vancouver, yeah. probably not the nicest exactly. place to live at uh. this point but, in time. Yeah, even, even in Victoria now, you know, that would be unheard of, right? And I was pretty close to, I was walking distance to downtown. So I think what you have is you have a whole generation who know nothing but uh, really tight, difficult economic times. And that may create an entire generation's outlook on economics. Patrick, I can't help but notice that every time you're on the radio show or the podcast, you like taking things down a dark, uh, dark path. Yeah, no. right. Such a dark macro guy. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Well, here, here's a bright spot. It seems like like most economists and analysts agree with you that there, mm -hmm. we're not likely to see a Bank of Canada rate hike, so we won't make you eat a bug or anything like that. That's the silver lining to <laughs> all of good. this. That's good. Okay. I feel better. Um, interesting to note, though, we only get like six economic report card updates a year, two from the federal government, spring and fall, four from the Bank of Canada. And we're having two happen in the same week. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that and if there's any uh, congruency or differences we'll wait and see we'll be able to update everyone later this week but tyler what else is catching your eye today well look we're talking about real estate so why don't we just bring up the fact that a uh, new report out from century 21 seven out of canada's 10 priciest neighborhoods surprise surprise they're all here in metro vancouver the interesting thing though is that they break it down by price per square foot so even though you think west vancouver is the most expensive jurisdiction in all of uh, you know Metro Vancouver. It's actually the west side of Vancouver because the homes in the west side are actually smaller. So price per square foot, you're actually getting a bigger bang for your buck in West Van. So it actually kind of makes sense. But maybe I'll take this down a dark macro path. But I just <laughs> uh, pulling a Patrick. Well, I'm pulling a Patrick because you know the the fact that. Vancouver absolutely dominates versus, say, the financial capital of Canada, Toronto, uh, which uh, placed 
a couple times on this top 10 list, but not to the degree that Vancouver does. You get into that conversation about how sustainable this is and and does it even make any sort of economic sense? Because we are not kind of the, the big engine of the economy the way that say toronto is so it's like you know and look vancouver is very desirable there's other factors like geography as well as supply and demand that comes into play here but i don't i don't think this is going to be sustainable i was downtown yesterday or a couple days ago and if you walk around i wonder about supply and demand because you've got a lot of property that's being built a lot of high rises you've got uh, Burrard Place, you've got Vancouver House, you've got Tate on Howe, um, you've got a lot of units that are going to come online in downtown Vancouver in the next three or four, maybe five years. And with really, really high prices around there, you know, you basically just got rich people swapping property. That's what's happening. Um, if you go and flood the market with a whole bunch of more property, I don't know. That That's my thought. Like just walking around, seeing how much construction is going on in downtown Vancouver, even for how small it is. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's going to change well, the outlook or change I, the... The, the yeah. argument be though is that if, like, we'll be honest, we have data showing like there is an influence uh, from foreign buyers on this. Yeah. I, if a foreign buyers, uh, you know, a rich foreign national, to them, it doesn't really matter if they have to pay some sort of foreign buyers tax. They're worth, you know, hundreds of millions We'll just buy up some more property. Who cares if we pay some taxes? We mm. want to have a safe haven for our investments. Vancouver real estate looks to be this thing to do. So mm-hmm. that's why I don't think it's necessarily going to change much. Yeah. Yeah. And we're already at a point where supply is so low that yeah. adding to it, like, fine, it's needed. Like, demand will absorb that from what I can tell. Yeah. You guys might be right. I, I just think it's interesting to see because it does look like there's going to be a lot of property that's going to come on the market and it's going to be a lot of new property, which I don't think downtown Vancouver's had a lot of lately. So, And just for the record, oh, the guy who ate a bug says Haley and Tyler <laughs> might be right. So uh, we'll leave it at that, Patrick. Possibly. <laughs> All right. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, there's another interesting real estate story, but it's south of the border. Hudson's Bay Company has reached a deal to actually sell its Lord & Taylor building, this iconic building in New York. And if this isn't a sign of the times, I don't know what is. We have a retailer selling this massive iconic building to WeWork, which is a co-working work sharing space. And Lord and Taylor- Which also happens to be giving up a lot of its property to Amazon here in Vancouver, which kind of defeats the purpose of what WeWork even does. So that's yeah. a bit of a head scratcher, but sorry, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so they, they have this going on. Uh, WeWork will also be taking over some spaces in other Hudson's Bay locations, including the one in, uh, on Granville Street here in Vancouver. Not selling it, but they will be assuming part of it. It's about a billion dollar deal Canadian. So it's a, a big sale. The most fascinating thing I always think of with a Hudson's Bay's company is that it's older than Canada. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact there. I'm sure there you guys go. knew that. But, but they they're not resistant to the bloodletting that we've been seeing going on in the retail industry. Uh twelve thousand jobs lost due to this year's Canada liquidation. And as I alluded to, it's being liquidated at this point. Uh HBC is not immune to a lot of the problems going on with retail. 
No, and notably, uh, the CEO of Hudson's Bay Company abruptly resigned on Friday. Um, Executive Chairman Richard Baker, the former CEO, will be taking over as interim CEO. But that, too, is is a bit of a sign. I'm not sure what people make of it at this point. Not a lot of details have been released, but it's ahead of the holiday shopping season in the middle of a strategic review. Doesn't exactly inspire confidence to have the top guy at, at a prominent retailer up and quit. Fascinating stuff. There Alrighty. you go. As fascinating as Patrick's stories that you can read uh. in Business in Vancouver. <laughs> BIV.com. Do you have the full hyperlink? I'm, you re- I'm go regretting coming into the podcast here. I feel like the whipping boy. <laughs> you know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. yeah okay, and we'll probably, yeah. we'll, we'll see you Thursday. Yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll be back. Right. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, that's it for this week. This podcast, of course, is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and business advisors. You can listen to radio shows, podcasts, find more business news, including Patrick's fantastic stories <laughs> and my stories as well as Tyler's or other people who write for BIV. Mine aren't nearly as fascinating, no. but please <laughs> check them out. But they're there. Yeah, yeah, they're there. That's all at BIV.com. Our podcast's also available on iTunes. And if you want to connect with us personally, Tyler, how can people reach you? Yeah, find me on social media. I'm at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. I'm hesitant to give Patrick a plug, but you know, Patrick, where can people find you? List all the uh, ways. All I have is I have a website. So if you just Google my name, patrickblunderhassett.com, there all you my go. stuff's there. All right. And I'm on social media too, at Haley Wooden. You can connect with me. That's it for today. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.